It's 8 p.m. on a Tuesday night, and in the depths of Dwinell Hall reside a group of poets. Their words fill the classroom for an hour as they gather together to continue a tradition begun by two seniors four years ago. Hi everyone, and welcome to Poetic Pontification, a podcast for poets to share their work and their stories. I'm your host, Melina Kritikopoulos. Let's hear these poets pontificate. Let's get started. So today, we're going to have Dr. Um, which is additional to our normal discussions, which will be in small groups like last time. Um, so could we actually have people who are here for the first time introduce With Eris freshman year, we started having these poetry nights <laughs> where we would, um, we would meet at midnight in like, in like my dorm and we would bring poems that we liked and read them to each other and then we started writing them. And I was, I mean, this was just like a little hobby project. I was like making poetry out of Vita, Vita Sackville West and Virginia Woolf's letters. Um, uh, and then, yeah, it was really a safe love. We did this like every week. Um, and we were like, we need to be better at not meeting at midnight. And also, if we're not meeting at midnight, we might as well make it a club, because we're already meeting like every week to do this. And we yeah. wanted to invite other people in. Zyang and Richardson are seniors at the University of California, Berkeley. But more importantly, they are poets. OK, this is a poem that I previously published on The Weekender when I was a writer there. Um, I have since changed it a bit. It's called New Acquaintanceship. She was at the stone table the first time, filling nine empty seats with the air that she wouldn't mind being somewhere else. She squeezed my hand so it hurt, and she repeated back my name, swearing death to my original tergiversation. She placed a morsel of her soul in between my teeth. Nice to meet you too. She said, and what about you? Do you ever feel like a fraud? walking around while you're actually a skipper? I said, but what does it mean to actually be a skipper? If a skipper is walking, then skippers walk and are still skippers. When I wrote it, I was thinking about how, I think especially on a college campus, how often you you meet people and perhaps immediately jump into a conversation about the most, um, mm, universal but also personal um, issues in an almost abstract sense in a way that everyone can relate. And she said, and what about you? Do you wonder if people can understand other people? My eyes barely had time to roll before she said, I wish everyone were telepathic. I said, but what makes us ourselves is that we aren't a blob of shared consciousness. She said, I would rather be that than alone. And you feel like you're really close to this person, but it's also a little bit performative and maybe you you didn't really have all that meaningful of a conversation at all, even if it feels like you did, like it's it, it happens all the time and it could be the exact same with someone else. 
She said to these people, and what about you? Don't you think we'd be freer if we swapped souls with everyone we knew for a month? I heard in response, oh my god, I felt that way, I felt that way, I felt that way too. Souls are breadcrumbs for ducks. At that moment, I wanted all three of them to follow the call, hit the ground hard, and leave us alone. Xiang's work is moving, undoubtedly. She finds poetry to be the perfect creative form for dealing with difficult emotions. Okay, so back when I was considering double majoring with English, I took English 45B and we were learning about Wordsworth, and um, I attended a very enlightening lecture about how the romantic poets, although they come off as like, this is a spontaneous expression in my poem of my of my experience of nature like like I just was sitting there and then I suddenly started writing and this is what came out and it's the most authentic expression of like what what I observed in nature but um, this lecture was basically saying like actually this process was extremely deliberate and um, it was a process basically so spontaneity doesn't necessarily equal authenticity and being very deliberate and slow and crafting everything does not mean that it is contrived. So um, what I'm trying to say with that is that um, just the, the, the act of sitting down for hours and working on like this tiny little poem and like perfecting it to get it to mean what I want it to or to get it to have the feeling that I want it to makes me think a lot about like what it means to truly express yourself to someone else because because it's not always that the first thing you put on paper is like the truest expression from yourself. Diang and Richardson just winged it when it came to their club. They didn't expect what the pandemic would do. So it was just us and then we forced two of our friends to be <laughs> signatories because you need four signatories. Um, and then we technically had a club that we did not use for at least six months, and then we, but we started getting emails from people um, during COVID <coughs> um, being like, hey, I'd like to join your club. And we ended up getting like maybe like 10 emails or so. And so then by the second semester, the first time we were fully online for a semester, we were like, I guess we have to open our club. Yeah, and then we started doing it on Zoom, and it was just, it was a great, like, moment in the week to relax a bit, and we always try to create this open space to reflect how we felt when we first started doing our little poetry nights. Um, so we had people uh, sharing their poems, and we would always try to balance kind of this academic analytical discussion with with just a very free environment where we, the author and the readers could ask whatever questions that they wanted. Yeah, and we, um, <coughs> we kept going throughout COVID and then we decided <coughs> that we would try to go in person this semester. And yeah, we, we've 
kept getting, we haven't really ever done advertising for the club, um, maybe because we're too technologically impaired. Yeah. But um, we are luckily studying humanities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No CS majors. No CS majors in LPS. Yeah. yeah. No. So um, yeah, luckily we've just had like wonderful people who like are on their own interested because when we were looking for like clubs, we only found sort of like slam poetry or things like that at Berkeley. So mm-hmm. I think as yeah. an unspecified poetry club, I think we're the only one I know. Yeah, of. and then we've got our wonderful, amazing vice president, Yuna Kong, uh, who publishes poetry and writes every day, which is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, they're um, very great. They just gave us a poetry publishing workshop a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was the first workshop we've given technically, so yeah. Yeah. That catches us up, I think, to the present, mostly. Richardson's shared poem focuses in on a personal moment in her life. Um, my poem is called Buried Dogs. I always feel mean washing my hands after I've held someone who's died. I want to apologize and tell her she's not gross, but the water running over me is so clean, I don't see why she ought to believe what I say. My hands aren't very large, so if I hold you, you must be very small. I try to wait and touch still bodies like they're tamed, like they know I'm there and they're letting me stay. But my fingers feel wrong and I don't want to hold anyone else. When I was a kid, I. I've had like a lot of pets um, and so a lot of the memories I have of them are like burying them um, like on a farm or going to like um, a forest and burying them and like I even when I find like stray like dead animals I always have to like bury them I don't want to touch soft things or warm air I want her to hold me down for as long as she can I've buried a lot of things. You can tell because I don't make the holes too small anymore. I know all the places buried things go. I know that you have to dig for them. I know that dirt and shoes and logs are right and compost bins and bags are wrong. I know that I have to hold them or else they'll be an object and someone won't hold me or take me to the dirt and stroke me or whisper and touch me with their hands or pretend they don't want to wash me away. Yeah, it's stunning, beautiful. I love that one. (laughs) Really, the imagery in it is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry, I might have sounded like I was maybe going to cry, (laughs) mostly because I have a a cough. You're right, you're right. It added to the aura. I, yeah, yeah. I was uh, just like, I'm going to sneeze right now. <laughs> no, that was beautiful. Um, so anything you want to say about that poem? So, <laughs> um, like, a few months ago, <laughs> I was living with um, my old housemates, and, like, there was a dead bird, and um, I remember I, like, it, someone else found it, but I ended up, like, going to bury it alone, and I was like, why is it that I'm always like burying 
these things, even if it's like not mine, but it's kind of as much mine as it is the whole house's, but like there's a <laughs> difference in how I feel about these dead things. Um, and I think that that's mostly because it's like I want to be treated that way also and sort of like if I if I'm not doing this then like who's going to do this for me and like if I'm not loving things in like <laughs> a certain way like do I even like believe that I will be loved in that certain way or something like that. Richardson actually said she finds poetry embarrassing in the best possible way. I guess I tend to really sort of subscribe to the belief <laughs> something that one quote that's like you know like in order to like receive the benefits of being loved you have to suffer the mortifying ordeal of being known you know and I see <laughs> sort of like sharing poetry as something like that where it's like just embarrassing and awful whenever you show anyone like your work usually um, especially the way we do it where we like to read it out loud um, but I think <laughs> it also has just been really helpful for me to like build like getting used to expressing vulnerability with everyone and just sort of like trusting that they'll support you instead of like hate you and your art um yeah and I guess I feel like it's that way with a lot of art yeah definitely agree yeah and I think poetry helps with like kind of coming out of that that feeling of being stuck within your own work like uh, just sharing it is a good thing which is why I like LPS because you can share share your work in a comfortable space absolutely I agree with Eris I was I was talking to my friend earlier today (laughs) and he he said as kind of a joke like poetry is embarrassing and like oh controversial statement but I I don't I mean I think definitely it that (laughs) holds true it's like very vulnerable and um, performative in a special sense. Well, I guess this applies also to just creative prose, but the abstract-like nature of poetry sometimes makes makes it easier to write about very personal, difficult things like identity and such. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like not having to name it explicitly makes it a little mm-hmm. bit easier to express yourself in the first place. And the yeah. the people or the people that you're trying to express yourself to may un like you can make sure that they understand what you're getting at, but even if you say it in a bit of a, you know, subtle mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um and I think identity is always very messy and um so poetry is almost like the perfect way to to like abort that topic thank you so much for listening to this episode of poetic pontification we will be bringing you more poets next time